And good evening, church family. So good to not see you tonight, I guess. I have a couple of people that that are here tonight, and I think there's like six of us in the room, and uh, most of you are watching online, and they're waving to me from the back door. One more greeter back there. We have... Just suffered the rain, unbelievable, just as you have throughout the community. And um, I, I actually chose our first hymn tonight, Standing on the Promises, because God promised he'd not flood the world again. And I was needing to see a rainbow today for all of that that was going on. Uh, Pastor, we had to uh, go online tonight because of the rain. Did the concrete not work? I knew you'd be asking that or thinking that, so I came up with a a prepared response on that. So if you come to our church, the concrete parking lot is dry as a bone tonight. I mean, it is beautiful. I actually broke the law and parked on it tonight. I couldn't take it no more. It was just more than I could handle. And it's, it's beautiful and draining like a champ. The grass parking lot that we park on it's wicked and abominable and ungodly and underwater and just a mess. And so the drive that we come in, you know how it ruts there and we, we try our best to keep the dirt in there, but it is out. And so just so much activity for the weekend. I thought maybe it would be better just to protect um, that parking lot tonight. So we went with our online services. I know that our youth are meeting right now on Zoom. I hope that... Your young person was able to get in on that, and I have some other announcements to make as we look forward to next Wednesday night. I'll be so happy when when that parking lot is finished, and we will never have to endure these type of moments again, Lord willing. But we're looking forward to a blessing. It's not easy now. You've been used to coming to church, and now you're back at home, and maybe you're in the living room or in the kitchen, and you're finishing up and trying to get yourself organized. The best way to, to handle a online service is to get yourself in a place of concentration. Uh, turning other things off, get your Bible out, get yourself ready, engage yourself in the hymn, engage yourself in the prayer, listen intently, and we'll trust that God will work in our hearts. And so I know you're at home, but I, I think you could enjoy singing a little bit. Brother Rod's going to come and we're going to open up our, our Wednesday night Bible study with the wonderful hymn, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. I, that's a great hymn for Wednesday night. Lift your voice now, or at least read on the screen, be engaged there, and let's have a moment of worship. Those in the auditorium, we can stand if we would at this time. Promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory in the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God Standing on the 
of promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fears assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises I now can see Perfect presence glancing in the blood for me Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Standing on the promises I cannot fall Listening every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we stand on your promises, Father. Every day we stand on your promises, which you've given to us in the Bible. Father, we thank you for we thank you for the rain, Father. We know that you sent it because we need it. It's not what we want, it's what you know we need. And we want we worry that it might never stop, but we know that you promised us that you would stop the rain. Father, it is Thank you for everyone that's watching online tonight. We thank you for the people that showed up tonight, Father. Father, we thank you for everything you do in our lives, Father. Father, tonight there might be someone watching online that hasn't accepted you as your Savior. and They don't know if they can stand on the promises of God yet. May tonight be the night that they send a message or call on a phone and ask us how they can to spend eternal life with you, Father. Father, I ask you to be with Pastor Hunter if he brings another message about the Christian home. Father, we so need these messages. Father, we need to know how our home is to be loved and surrounded by love through you, Father. Allow us to be together tonight, Father. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Amen. Thank you, Brother Joey. A couple of announcements while we're getting ourselves situated and settled. Um, want to remind you, church family, to please pray for the, this coming Saturday. We have the funeral service for uh, Brother Neil Blake. Neil is a young man in our church and um, lost his life two weeks ago. And we have the wonderful privilege to host a memorial service for him. And I, I know that the place will be full um, church family is invited. The service is at 1130. 
and then it'll be a graveside that'll be a little bit distant from the service. But um, I covet your prayers tonight for that, and pray that uh, the Lord Jesus would be exalted, that the gospel would be given. I pray that as unsafe folks come, that they will hear about how they too can be prepared for that moment when their life is ended and that they can spend eternity with the Lord Jesus. Uh, please pray for James and Laverna, Neil's mom and dad, and uh, of course his brothers, Roman and Jaswani. Uh, the family needs needs our prayers tonight. And so that's that's the service on this Saturday. We look forward to the Lord's Day on Sunday. And of course we have our services and uh, our two morning services. And people are coming back, and it's good to see the folks coming back, and we're prepared with a distant room if we need that room for some of our folks, which we still do. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is in the place, and our Sundays are such a blessing. So many guests right now that have been attending our services, and we're delighted about that. Matter of fact, if you're watching online tonight, as everybody is, church family, I would like for you to make sure that you check in, whether you're watching on Facebook or you're on uh, the app, or whether you're on our website, some way, find a way, let us know. I understand we have some new people that would be watching tonight, and so please, when you check in, just let us know that you're a first time uh, watching online our services. We would want to reach out to you maybe tomorrow, the next day, and just thank you so much for being with us at that time. Uh, a couple of other announcements that I do want to make as we look forward now moving into the month of November. Don't forget on the month of November, the very first Sunday is the very first day of November. That's the day we open up our Sunday schools. So that Sunday, the very first Sunday of November, not only do you set your clocks back one hour for that service, but we add to our services, which will necessitate the timing of our services going back to pre-coronavirus days, which means an 8.30 worship service, 10 o'clock Sunday school, and then 11 o'clock is our second worship service. That is November the 1st, and um, it should be, if you are a usual Sunday school attender, you should be receiving an email or some type of call or confirmation letting you know that if there's been any change into the class that you were in. Um, we're not opening all of the Sunday school classes because we're not able to, so we've condensed them down. Pastor, I don't like change. Okay, welcome to the world, but the whole world has changed, right? I'm not coming to any class. If they don't have my class, I'm not coming. I, I know, I understand that. But give it a chance. See it as the Lord working in your life. Do not just plain dismiss because... You you may not like something. Allow this opportunity for God to work. You might be surprised at, at what the Lord will do. Speaking of emails going out, if you're watching online, uh, some of the folks made it to church tonight, and they didn't they uh, they didn't receive the email. It's a full time job keeping up with church records. We're talking about oh, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of thousand people or so to try to keep emails. So if we missed you and you showed up, please, we spent a lot of the pandemic shutdown trying to get our records right. We did pretty good, but we don't want to miss anybody. So if you did not receive an email today from the church or you did not receive a text or some type of alert, uh, apart from a Facebook something, let us know so we can make sure to have our records right. Um, 
I believe that the youth department has an activity coming up at the end of October. So I'm, no, I'm sure they're reinforcing that tonight. And I, I want to make sure that you know about that on October 30th. Uh, next Wednesday, I want to host, instead of a Bible study, I want to host a house of prayer. You know that the election is coming up where our nation will vote for the leadership of our nation. I do not dare want that moment to go by without us bathing that moment in prayer. And so I'm calling all prayer warriors next Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. When you show up to, to the House of Prayer meeting, I'm going to give you a prayer list um, on how to pray specifically for the election that is going to happen within our nation. How Christian people ought to pray, what we ought to ask God to do, what we should submit ourselves as to the direction that the Word of God gives. And so I'm begging you not to think, well, they're just going to have a prayer service. I don't, I don't need to show up. We need everybody to show up and let's cover the floor and let's go to the throne of grace as one people with one voice and let's lift our nation to the throne of grace. And so I haven't said a whole lot about the election as it's coming. It seems like it's sneaking up on us, but we do need to pray and I will say some things about it next Wednesday night. So please put that on your calendar if you would. A couple of prayer requests, uh, more than a couple, about six or eight, that I want to let you know, and you might know some of these folks. If so, you want to reach out to them. Uh, I want to begin with two praises tonight, and those two praises would be from Tiffany Hernan. She's recovering well from her surgery, recovering well from an infection that uh, attacked her body within the course of her recovery. So if you know Mike and Tiffany and uh, Michaela and Taryn, you want to reach out to them, let them know you're praying for them. Judy Dulligai, we prayed for Judy. She had a cancerous tumor removed. Uh, I was outside yesterday uh, with Brother Joey. We were down by the shed and a, Barbara Churchill pulls in and in the passenger seat is Judy Dulligai. And they rolled down the window and she said, I got to tell you what God has done. And she announced that there's no cancer now within the markers of her body. And she was just giving God great praise and glory. She's going to have to undergo a little bit more treatment, which she'll need God's grace for. But she just wanted the church to know that the great physician has cared for her. I know she's watching online. I can hear her shouting amen all the way from her house. Jackie Slocum, I miss her. She's in Colorado. Pray for her grandson, Christian, who's having some uh, teeth problems and is going to need a surgery. Also, her granddaughter, who is tested for COVID. Uh, I know Jackie watches online, and she's probably doing that as well. A man in our church, James Barr. James needs our prayers tonight. Um, he's had a mild stroke, and so we need to lift James to the throne of grace. Uh, I'm thinking about Barrington Rose and others that have gone through that. You might want to reach out to James and let him know that we're praying for him. Brother Jack Powell. Brother Jack Powell is in the hospital tonight. Um, if you have his number, you might want to text him real quick, praying for him. Brother Jack is going to have to undergo surgery tomorrow uh, on his neck. He's got some discs there that are not proper, and they're going to have to go in. And uh, so he's facing a surgery in the morning. I'm not exactly sure what time that surgery is. 
but I'm sure they're probably watching online. We want to make sure to cover them in prayer as well. Uh, Angelica Hidalgo, you may not know her. She attends our church and precious lady loves the Lord and she's going to have a baby in two weeks. And so we're praying for a safe delivery for Angelica and uh, you would know her through the Separano family and we're delighted what God is doing in her life. I would ask you to pray for my sister, Tiffany. My sister, Tiffany, finds herself tonight. Um, She She's had to be tested for COVID as well, uh, introduced to it through a work process. She's not feeling well, so pray for my sister, Tiffany, if you would. And then I would ask you, please, one final request. Pray for my pastor friend. Uh, You that went to Israel, you will know Mark Hodges. Uh, Beth is right here. Mark and Denise are, are who Beverly and I in the church, we went to Israel with them. I was shocked on Sunday when I had heard that Denise had passed and went home to be with the Lord. Uh, I knew she had battled cancer before. I did not know it had returned and she did not survive the return of that cancer. And so my pastor friend lost his wife um, and they had the funeral service on Monday. Please pray for Mark Hodges. He is the pastor of Winter Haven Baptist Church in Winter Haven, Florida. Those of you that went to Israel with me, you know him. You you know what a man of God he is. Please pray for him and for the family. Uh, just just devastating news as to, to their loss. All right. I'm sure there are other prayer requests. Remember, you can email your prayer request. You can email those prayer requests through the app, uh, Candy Hinkle. Precious lady in our church manages the prayer requests as they're coming in. And so she's watching for them. If you send them, we'll be sure to make sure that they get on the list as well. All right. Before our hymn, let's take a moment and let's pray for these. And then we'll sing a couple of verses of a hymn that will prepare our heart for the preaching of the word of God. Heavenly Father, God, it's Wednesday night Bible study and, and, and prayer night. And even though... There's just a couple of us here this evening because of the weather. There's many of us that are gathered around as the body of Christ and concentrated in this moment. We've seen wonderful miracles that have happened because of the prayers of God's people on Wednesday night. And we know that our God hears and our God answers prayer. And we believe that 100%. Lord, tonight I just want to reckon you as the true and living God. Uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, immutable, holy, righteous, sovereign God. Uh, none other but thee, none beside thee. Worthy of all worship and praise and honor and glory. And your promises are true because you are true. And so we lift tonight our praise to you for those that are giving God glory for the working in their lives and their behalf. Lord, many are petitioning tonight for uh, their needs. Uh, most of those needs are for the great physician to watch over through illness, uh, the great physician to watch over through childbirth, uh, the great physician to give wisdom uh, with procedures and so on. And so we just lift the our dear precious folks to you. May they feel, even in this moment, the prayers of God's people, Lord. I think about my pastor friend even tonight as he's his wife has been lost to this earth, but she has gained heaven 
and uh, just comfort him, if you would, please. I think of the Jump family tonight. God, comfort them, prepare them for the service on Saturday. We ask you to do wonderful work at that time, if you would. Lord, I do lift our nation to the throne of grace tonight as the people of our nation are preparing and voicing their intent and their direction. And I do think, God, in this moment, the people of God's voice ought to be heard and the intent of God ought to be heard. And so we know that you are involved in the setting up of the president. We know that we will have your man. We will vote as we believe we ought to vote. But ultimately, the Bible says you put in that office the man that you want to put in that office. And so we're asking you, God, to give us a leader, whether it's the one we have or a new one. Give us a leader, God, that will lead us in righteousness, that that heart will be turned by you. That will lead in a way that that is in a biblical direction, in a life direction, and all that goes with that. We're trusting you as your people. And, oh, we watch the news and we can get nervous either way. But praise the Lord. When we come to the word of God, we find faith that strengthens us. And so I pray for our president tonight. I pray you protect and keep him. Give him wisdom as he leads our nation, Lord. And the leaders all the way down from the vice president to all the way to the local leaders. Um, Lord, just direct them according as your perfect will. Help me preach tonight with power and authority and give me wisdom, God. And may the word of God touch our hearts now. And we'll trust you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to sing a couple of verses of the old hymn entitled Trust and Obey. Because really and truthfully, tonight's lesson in our home is on the subject of Christian homes and their obedience. And I need these verses just to kind of prepare. So as you're sitting there watching online, whether you sing or not, read the words, especially when you get to the chorus. I want you to concentrate for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let that phrase just ring in your heart and your mind as God uses it for the preaching of his word. God bless you as you sing. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toll He doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but it's blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. 
Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at His feet, or we'll walk by His side in the way. What He says we will do, where He sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. All right, thank you. Be seated if you would. Take your Bible tonight and make your way, if you would, please, to the book of Joshua. Joshua is located in the Old Testament. It should be the sixth book of the Bible, and Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Find the seventh chapter. We will be in the seventh chapter and a little bit in the sixth chapter as we have our Bible study tonight as we continue our series on the subject of a Christian home. And I am enjoying preparing myself for this series, I'm enjoying uh, the opportunity to uh, dig into the Word of God and dig into the homes of the Word of God and dig the situations and the truths of these homes and make wonderful application into my own life and into my own home. And I really believe that this series is, is needed. I don't believe that it's just needed for our church, but I, I, I believe it's needed for every Christian in every church, uh, for all of us to be concentrated as believers on our home. I've said before, whether you are a believer or a non-believer, it does not make a difference in the impact or the influence of your home. Some folks, the word home is awesome. And to some folks, the word home is awful. To some folks, the the memory of home is an awesome memory. To others, it's an awful memory. And I have found in pastoring people that the influence or the impact of their home stays with them their whole life. Whether Whether it was positive or negative, whether it stays positive or it goes from negative to positive, Some people battle their home life as a child. Some people were hurt horrifically within their home, trust, betrayed, whatever. And especially, uh, do you see the evidence of the influence of home when it comes time for two people to get married? And then you take two individual people that come from individual homes. Those homes could be polar opposite. Those homes could be whatever. And then, and then you have the merging of that influence. It's it's just a, a difficult, a difficult moment. And I think that the Lord, in understanding that, that's why He says much about the home in the Word of God. And we are not left ignorant or we're not left to wander or we're not left to our own imagination our own way in the organization of our home the bible teaches his people god teaches his people how to organize our homes and and what our homes ought to look like Um, i would say right at the beginning 
there is no such thing as a perfect home. However, every home can know the perfection of the Lord Jesus within it. And so we're learning about our own homes as we look into the homes of those in the Word of God. So we started in Timothy's home because in Timothy's home you have such a beautiful picture of what I do believe to be the purpose of a Christian home. It was a threefold purpose, and you've been with me, you know this. Uh, our homes as believers, I think, number one, ought to, ought to be glorifying God in and through our homes. God ought to be glorified. Number two, our homes are to be a light for the gospel to the community, to your neighbor, to your street, and to others. There ought to be something different about a Christian's home, and that ought to be a light to the gospel. And then the third purpose is that our faith is passed down in our homes. It is the responsibility of a Christian mom and a Christian dad to see that Christ is passed down in belief to their children. Now, you can't shove it down their throat. Uh, believe me, if that was possible, I would do that. But I can pray and I can live and I can uh, organize and act in a way that my children see Christ in me and that desire can be created in them as well. We found that evident in Timothy. Timothy's home also taught us what makes a home Christian. And what makes a home Christian is not your declaration. It's not your pictures on the wall. It's not the rules or the standards uh, that you have. What makes a home Christian is the same thing that makes you a Christian. And that's the presence of Christ. No home can be a Christian home that's absent the Christ. You can't have Christianity, true Christianity, without Christ. He's in the name. And so... I would submit to you that this is important because I don't know anything that does more danger to our children than for them to grow up in a fake Christian home or a Christian home in name or declaration only. What would that look like? That would look like a home that has all the Bible verses on the wall, but no Bible verses in the heart. That would look like a home that, that's organized Christian, but the presence of Christ is not there. So what makes me a Christian is Christ in me, the Holy Spirit of God inside of me. And, and what makes my home a Christian home is Christ in my home. Now, how does Christ get in the home? He gets in the home through the people of that home. I preached a whole message about that. The second home we went to was Moses. And we found that uh, as in our Christian homes, there is the necessity of a biblical worldview. How you see the world, how you interpret the world, how you view the world ought to be through the Word of God. It is the prism, the Word of God is the prism that I, that I view all parts of the world. And so the way that I take in information, the way that I process information, the way that I, that I organize myself, and the way especially that as I receive things from the television or from the media or from the culture, I funnel all of that through the Word of God. And then once I've funneled it through the Word of God, I let the Word of God present to me the view that, that, it, it, that it narrows down, and then I have a biblical world view. Now, I don't know any place more tonight 
that your worldview is going to be exposed than in your vote. Right? So your vote from the President of the United States to the amendments within our cities to different things, everything that's on that ballot, as a believer, you 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 analyze that, you look at that, and you read that, but you got to filter every bit of that through the Word of God. The Word of God is the basis and the foundation for everything God's people do, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm having to talk with my kids about the world right now, and they're asking me questions. They're asking me questions about uh, President Trump. They're asking me questions about Vice President Biden. They're asking me questions about the Supreme Court. They're asking me questions about laws and so on. And we hear all this stuff. Well, how do you narrow it? You narrow it down through the Word of God. And so Moses' home taught us that a Christian home is necessary to have a biblical worldview. Well, then we went to Lot's home. Lot is the nephew of Abraham. Lot uh, is teaches us that our Christian homes ought to be separated homes. Separated homes in the aspect of separated away from the, the ungodliness of the world, not the peoples of the world so much, not that we're separated from our neighbor or we're isolated in our community. That's not what he's talking about. But the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that system of the world that is against God, against holiness, against the word of God, that that cannot filter into our home. So, so as a Christian home, I'm separated away from worldliness unto the Lord, unto righteousness. And so Lot made a choice to separate from his uncle Abraham. There was a problem. They had they'd been blessed so much by God. They had so much that their herdmen were fighting, right? Really and truthfully, Lot should have never separated from Abraham. He should have looked at that herdman and said, you're fired, right? He should have said, I'm humble myself. I'm going to give whatever. I'm not leaving the position of righteousness to go away. And so what he did is he let that problem, he didn't take care of that problem, and he made a decision in that moment, and he separated himself over to Sodom and Gomorrah. And when you listen to the message or you read the word of God, not only did Lot see the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, but he saw the destruction of his family. So you, mom and dad, you in that home as a believer, your home is to be separated away from the world and separated unto the Lord and the word of God and the righteousness. And we got to navigate that. And you can listen to that message about that. Tonight, tonight I want to visit the home of a man whose name is Achan. A-C-H-A-N. Achan is a man that we find in the Old Testament. His name means trouble. And I think that's a wonderful description of Achan and what he caused not only to his nation, but to his home. He is forever known as the man that troubled Israel. 
And I will submit to you tonight after you read about his home, you will know him to forever be the man that brought trouble to his home. And I, I want to preach to you tonight a message entitled in our series on a Christian home, that a Christian home should be free from the accursed, A-C-C-U-R-S-E-D, free from the accursed. As you come to the seventh chapter of the book of Joshua, this is where we meet Achan. In meeting Achan, you meet him in the Bible moment of the city of Jericho. Um, Beth is in the room tonight. Beverly's in the room tonight. They've been with me to the city of Jericho. Jericho was the first city that the nation of Israel came to when they went into the promised land. It was the first city that they attacked after they crossed over the Jordan River. When you meet Achan prior to the seventh chapter of the book of Joshua, you find him to be a blessed man. You find him to be a man, a blessed warrior, a blessed citizen of the nation of Israel. You find him to have a blessed family, uh, as God has put his blessing upon him. You find him as a man that is enjoying the victory and the success and the blessing that God has brought to him in his life. And so when you read verse number 1 of chapter number 7, it's kind of hard to believe. What would you pick up there? The Bible says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, was kindled against him and against the children of Israel. A frog <clears throat> jumped in my throat. Sorry about that. This moment that you're reading about happened in the middle of the battle and the victory over the city of Jericho. You remember that God had promised them that city God had given them a battle plan, the nation of Israel, that they were to walk around the city six times, six days. Or, or, and, and then on the seventh time, how they were to navigate their way around the walls of Jericho. And you know that the walls of Jericho fell in and God gave them just a marvelous and a wonderful victory. And they were able to see a great conquest. Uh, when you end chapter number six... Um, Joshua is celebrating that wonderful victory. The fame of the nation of Israel is going out. But something happened inside that victory that nobody knew about. But God knew about it. Achan took the accursed thing. Let me show you what that was. Go, if you would, to chapter 6. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 17. This is God giving direction to the nation. It says, in the city <clears throat> shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. You know that she, she was born again. She, she had a past of being a harlot, but she knew God. She helped the spies. 
She and all that were with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So God had laid down a law for the nation of Israel that when they go into the city of Jericho, that everything they see in that city, they were to determine that as designated for destruction. That's what that word accursed means. Designated or devoted for destruction. So, for example, let's go back to our homes, a biblical worldview. So, Achan goes into the city of Jericho, and instead of looking at everything through God's word and how God determined it, he fashioned it differently. So, they were not to touch anything in that city. They were to see the people, and they were to see the belongings as devoted to destruction. Look at verse number 19. <clears throat> but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Right? So, so the Lord said, now when you go in there, when you see the people and the belongings... That's devoted for destruction. When you go in there and you see the gold and the silver, God said, I want that. I want you to take the gold, the silver, the iron, and the brass out of that city, and I want you to put it into my treasury. Now, let's stop right here and just kind of a side note for you. Anytime you are increased, God always wants his tithe, and his tithe always comes First, So Jericho, in essence, is the first city that the nation of Israel goes into. And God let them have the gold and silver of the rest of the cities. But he said, that city, I want it. I want mine first. And I want it to go into the treasury of the Lord. In essence, uh, you could preach a message on the subject of Achan. And those of you that are Bible students know what happens here in just a moment... He really was judged because he stole the tithe that belonged to the Lord. I'll touch on that in just a moment. So God had said that when you, when, that they were not to touch those things and those things were to go into the treasury. You know that God gave them a wonderful victory. You know, and when you come into chapter number seven, that the next city they are to go to is the city of Ai. It was a smaller city. They should have destroyed the city of Ai, but they suffer a huge defeat. In the city of Ai, Joshua is mad at God for this defeat. This is interesting. Look at God's response. If you would, please, chapter 7, look at verse number um, 8. Joshua says, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it, shall shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what will thou do unto thy great name? Joshua says, we lost at Ai, God, and it was your fault. I got news for you. Uh, God is never at fault when it comes to loss. 
Verse number 10, the Lord responds. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. Now this was news to Joshua. Shouldn't have been, he should have prayed. They have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled and they have put it even among their own stuff. Wow. So here, here is God. He's given direction to the nation of Israel as to what they are to do. I read in chapter 1 verse number 7 that Achan, he disobeys that instruction and takes what he shouldn't. And he has, we find out that he has buried that. God has seen that he has buried that in his tent. What Achan thought to be hidden, God had seen. And so God is here letting Joshua know that we've got a problem in the nation of Israel. There's sin in the nation of Israel. There's sin in the camp. And God goes as far as to identify what has happened. God goes as far as to identify where the stuff is. And he's getting ready to expose who has done it. When you come to verse number 12, what the nation of Israel doesn't understand is that God has already moved off of the action of Achan. Right? Therefore... The children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. All right, so now the nation has a problem. The problem is really the result of one man, but he's identified in the whole as a nation. They, God had given them the victory. God wanted obedience. God did not want them to touch the accursed thing in that, and God wanted the, the gold and the silver in the treasury. One man disobeys. One man takes. One man hides. That one action immediately God moves against and the nation suffers a defeat. When you come into verses 13 all the way to verse number 20, God begins to expose what has happened there. And I'll let you read those as the, as God tells Joshua to funnel the families by one by one. And you find that Achan is identified there and he confesses in verse number 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and thus and thus have I done. Verses 24 to 26, hard to read, but I need you to read them. Because in verses 24 to 26, you find the consequence of what Achan has done. 
Look, if you would, please, in verse 24. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent all that he had. And they brought them unto a place called the Valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones. Probably right now you could say, That makes sense. Keep reading. And burned, what's the next word, class? Them. They stoned Achan, and they burned them. Now, interesting, the people that they burn as well, they had also stoned with stones. Well, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Does that mean what I think it means? So they took his sons and his daughters and his family and everything they had and they stoned them all and they burned them all. Pastor, that don't really seem right. I mean, to kill the family too because of what one man did? Write down, if you would please, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse number 16. You should write it down by your Bible in that verse. And let me just read the verse to you. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Pastor, why no mercy? You need to understand there's never mercy when sin is being judged. There's the result of sin... Is always death. The wage of sin is death. When God moves to judge sin, the ultimate judgment of sin is death. Now you and I, we know mercy today from the Lord because God judged sin in the death of the Lord Jesus. Pastor, why the family? The law said that those kids should not suffer death for the dad. Exactly. What do you mean exactly? Exactly means they must have known what dad did. They were not innocent. They may not have took it, but in essence, 
They were involved in the hiding of it. They were involved in the process. The nation of Israel would have never broke the law and charged the family with death because of just the father. They had to know. But I will submit to you this. One man's sin in that home troubled a nation and destroyed his home. Some things to know as we close. And just listen to Pastor. Aiken will teach you that you can hide things from your spouse and you can hide from your children and you can hide from your parents but you cannot hide the accursed thing from God. Think about that. I'm sure Aiken dug a big hole. I'm sure he covered it up well. But God knew it was there. And God told Joshua exactly where to find it. Number two. Buried sin in a home will affect all the peoples of that home. The accursed thing was something that was devoted to the destruction. It's against God. In God's mind it was wicked. And Achan disobeyed, and he went against God's word. And then he tried to bury it in the depths of his home. Buried sin in a home will always affect the people of the home. The longer it's buried, the more that it infiltrates the home. I don't know when his wife found out. I don't know when his sons found out. I don't know when his daughters found out. But they became criminal just like their dad. When a parent buries sin deep in the home, eventually, not only does it affect the home, it becomes part of the nature of the home. Look, if you would, at chapter number 7, verse number 12. Let me show you how the home is affected. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore. I don't know about you, but my home needs God with it all the time. My home needs God's blessing all the time. 
I cannot survive without God's blessing on my home. I cannot survive without God's power on my home. Up sanctify the people, verse number 13, and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies. Now watch this. Until ye take away the cursed thing from among you. Which means the moment you and I bury sin within our home, we hide it, we dig it, we cover it up, but we brought it into our home. It's the moment that the power of God begins to move away from our home and our lives. Our children become vulnerable. Our marriages become unprotected. The blessing of God becomes removed from my home. And God is not going to return that until I dig up that buried thing and get it right with God. Man, Pastor, I've had it buried a long time. Then get a shovel and get started. Hidden stash, private magazine, hidden app, private relationship, embezzlement, deception, thievery. I don't know what the accursed thing is that might be in your life. But if you buried it, whether physically you buried it or whether Spiritually, it's there. You might have it hid from everybody else. You don't have it hid from God. And a Christian home must be free from the accursed. Third thing that I want you to take. How fast sinful opportunity presents itself. Look, if you would, at verse number 21. Achan is confronted here. And Achan answers and confesses. And in verse number 21, take your ink pen and underline these three, these three things. When I saw, underline that. Among the spoils, a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver... And a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted. Underline that. When I saw. Then I coveted. Then I took them. Happens so fast. You imagine he's in there. He's in the battle. He's moving along. And all of a sudden his eye catches something. He lets that eye linger just a little bit and covetousness develops. What's covetousness? Covetousness is your desire to own something that's not legally proper for you to own. For example, do not covet your neighbor's wife. It's not spiritually legal for you to have or own your neighbor's wife. And he let his eye focus on that and covetousness begin to develop in his heart. And he acted upon that covetousness. In a moment. 
This is why the home needs to be, and we as leaders of our home need to be spiritually right, filled with the Spirit of God. We can't afford to take a day off. We can't afford to let our eyes be unguarded. We can't afford to let our hearts become covetous. Because when they become covetous, we will take. Happens so quick. What are you going to do? Once you cross that line, now you've got to hide it. Fourth thing. It's always better to humbly confess our sin than for God to expose it. It's always better to humbly confess than for God to have to expose my sin. It seems so simple, so careful, seems so easy to get away with, just to bury a cursedness in our home, bury some type of sin. Can't hide from God. You can hide it from your wife, men, but God knows it's there. Wife, you can hide it from your husband, but God knows it's there. Mom and dad, you can hide it from your children, but God knows it's there. Children, you can hide it from your parent, but God knows it's there. It will affect the home. God will take his hand of blessing off your home until it's taken care of. I'm so glad that our God is a forgiving God. It's better to humbly confess Get it right with God before God exposes it. How fast sinful opportunity happens in our lives. So many marriages destroyed by one night stand. So many homes by one moment of dishonesty. One moment of covetousness. This is why we need to walk with God and be filled with the Spirit of God standing on the Word of God. In closing, Pastor, I have something buried in my home. Whether it's physically buried there as an accursed thing or whether it's spiritually buried there. Nobody knows it. I know it and God knows it's there in my life. What do I do about it? Well, God has spoken to you tonight do two things first off if it's a private matter then private confession to the Lord go to God dig it up present it to him as sin ask him to cleanse it get right with God if it's a public matter then you have to deal with it in a public way you want to dig it up and you want to get it cleansed pastor it was so long ago yeah God might be merciful on the timetable there but you want the hand of blessing upon your life it's not something you just run foolishly into you might need counsel about it but I have a feeling that many a Christian home it's just so easy to kind of bury things and we think because we didn't face immediate conflict or consequence that it's okay, but, but God knows it's there. A Christian home, 
us free from the accursed thing. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God, Lord Aiken, the troubler of Israel, and the destroyer of his home. By his own admission, he saw, he coveted, and he took. None of us are above that. None of us. All of us can be guilty of that. Achan never brought his confession or cleansing. He had to face judgment. Man, I'm sure when he was digging that hole, he never dreamed one day what would happen. I'm sure he told everybody, don't tell anybody. The problem is God knew it. And God told everybody. I don't think he ever thought that everybody would be affected. But that's what buried sin does in our homes. It affects everybody in our home. I'm sure it happens so quickly. You can only imagine in the turmoil of battle. That's why we need to be spiritually guarded and protected and filled with God. I wish he would have confessed and found cleansing, but he faced judgment. Lord, tonight I'm praying for our homes. As Christian homes, we can't have sin buried in our lives, buried in our homes. I don't know where you're going to take this message or whose heart or who's home. But I'm asking you Holy Spirit of God. Do what you want to do. To think about that my home cannot be blessed. Until that's taken away. The nation couldn't be blessed until it was removed. But I'm so glad the blood of Jesus cleanseth me from all my sin. And there can be a restoration for us. And a going forward. Once it was taken care of. Israel went on to victory. And we can know that in our lives too. God, give us wisdom how to navigate. and Give us wisdom so we don't hurt what you're doing. And I'll trust you for that. Watch over our homes tonight, Lord. May they be testimonies to the wonderful grace of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Our song, to not go home, but to finish, because you're already home. I couldn't think of a better one than one verse of, oh, how I love Jesus. Let God finish the message in your heart. And let's sing this one verse. I'll see you on Sunday. God bless you. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its words. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus, because He first loves me. Good night and God bless you.